Hello, thank you for joining us for another edition of Global Sport Conversations, a joint SISD SOAS radio project. I'm your host today, Lindsay Sarah Krasnoff, and I'm joined by Krista Pryor, a neuroperformance coach, body engineer, and entrepreneur. Krista, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really happy you could be here. Um, you've, you know, you've worked in several different capacities in the global sports world, including your work training international athletes and your work also takes a very holistic approach. I wanted to start off by asking, how did you first begin working in the global sports industry? What was what was your path? Uh, well, first, good morning, Lindsay. Thank you so much for. I'm I'm really um, honored to be here. Um, my first initial movement into uh, sports on the global level, I think, actually came many years ago when I visited uh, Cape Town, South Africa, for the first time. And I was there for a job and I decided to stay for a couple extra days, which turned into a month. And I did some volunteer work with like a local uh, soccer community in one of the indigenous communities, like one of the townships. And it was probably my first exposure into seeing how sports are just, it's just kind of this it's a universal delivery system for joy and like watching these kids that had absolutely nothing. I mean, the field that they were playing on was basically a dirt field littered with broken glass and parts of machines and broken equipment. And they, but it was all, it was just them playing soccer or football. And it was really just fun to watch them play. And then it just kind of went on from there. And I think the next big adventure into the world was uh, traveling with one of my athletes to the island of Martinique. And then that just began a long, long journey across the globe. You know, I love how you say that sports are a universal delivery system for joy that speaks to their ability to serve as a, a common language that helps to bridge a lot of divides. And that's what, you know, that's so much of what we look at under this larger hat of sports diplomacy and knowledge exchange. And I know you've also done a lot of work with sports and female athletes around the world as well. And so I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about the different ways that you've seen sports make an impact for female athletes in different countries or cultures around the world sports for me it was always it was kind of my own first language was like was movement and I found a lot of my own confidence coming from playing sports myself and I think that the opportunity to share that with other young athletes around the globe changes and with females especially as I've traveled I started to understand how in different cultures and different communities the relationship between men and women boys and girls is very different and there's in some in the western world and particularly in the United States we really try and you know fight for gender equality and it's just a right it's just something that is understood and it should be understood. And we, you know, we have our own battles that we work to establish that equality and we're far from it. But there are other parts of the globe, as I discovered in my own experience, where the way that a, a, a girl is envisioned in their community is very, very different. So learning how to play a sport, I think has, and being allowed to play a sport has been something that's pivotal in the transformation and the transcendence 
ideally of that gender equality. And I think if we look at, say, even some of the Arab countries, you know, in Saudi Arabia, up until 2018, women weren't even allowed to enter a football stadium. And that has changed since. And because I, and I think in 2012, Saudi Arabia said, the first two female representatives to the Olympics that doubled in uh, 2016 with Rio with, they sent four and granted some of those athletes were not indigenous, were not born and raised in Saudi Arabia. But I think just having that exposure in young people of Saudi Arabia, seeing representatives, female representatives from their country helped drive that initiative to be like, if she can do it, I can do it and helping make it be okay. Because then I think there's so many more layers to it because it's not just in your community. I think sometimes too, it has to be a change of the culture, sometimes even with their own family. And I, I don't necessarily want, like, I can't project my own values and sentiments onto a different community and the culture, especially when I haven't been there to be immersed in it and to, to really be, to, to really understand it. But I think it's an opportunity to open up a dialogue for that. That kind of gets at one of the other questions I'd wanted to ask you about, you know, this dialogue. The, the, we talk a lot about sports diplomacy as being this people-to-people cultural exchange in and around the playing field. And it can look vastly different from country to country, sport to sport, region to region. And, you know, through through these conversations, through these dialogues, informal as they might be, it helps with the general knowledge exchange and knowledge transfer, particularly uh, across different cultural uh, geographic lines. And you talked a little bit about the, the example of Saudi Arabia, and I very much remember that the image of those Saudi women walking uh, in the London 2012 opening uh, ceremonies. I wonder from, you know, from your from your work and travels, what what other kinds of ways have you seen the power of sports diplomacy make an impact in your in your international work? It's been interesting because there's so many different layers to it. And even this summer when I I traveled to Senegal for the first time and I had the opportunity to work with young athletes um, with the SEED organization that's based in Chess, Senegal, um, not too far out from Dakar. And it was originally started as like a basketball academy for young boys. And a few years ago, girls started to inquire and ask like, when do we get our shot? When do we get our opportunity? And they started like the organization and now they've got equal representation between boys and girls. And these young women, what it's like excelling and being a leader and making an impact from a higher position. But these young women are making changes within their communities, within their families, because in, in some of their families, girls were discouraged or communities that they were discouraged from participating in sport. And the opportunities just weren't there, but they started to use their voice to express themselves and using sport as a vehicle to express themselves and to explore and understand different things and different sides of their personality. And I think then as time goes on, they become leaders within their own community. And the graduates of the SEED program, some of them have come to the United States and they're going to school and some are playing basketball. And then they go back to Senegal and take everything that they've learned. So it's 
they're using it to expand their horizons and then bring back what they learn so that they create an opportunity for exposure to different trains of thought, different methods of doing things, and then borrowing you know, the best to help enrich the lifestyle, the education, the opportunity for the communities that they grew up in. Yeah, no, certainly very much. It's quite potent in ways that we might not immediately think of. And given given your your exposure uh, through Seed in Senegal, could you talk a little bit about just kind of what your impressions were about how basketball is starting to manifest it itself amazing. and grow? At it was so in that fun part of Senegal where you were. And- and talk and meet and play with these young men and women. Um, they're so dynamic and intelligent and driven, and they are hungry. They're hungry for opportunity. They It felt like they just absorb everything that you were willing to share. And at the same time, incredibly generous with their spirit and their, their energy. And it's I feel like there were so many young kids, they, they had a hoop for them, which really works. It, it's like a three-day camp where kids come from all over the country. And there were even children there from other country, countries within the continent of Africa, as young as five, as old as like 16 and 17. And it was this massive, like this this energy that was so contagious. And these kids are running around in this hot, sweaty gym playing basketball and coaches. There were 25 coaches that were former graduates of C that came back to dedicate their time. And it's just, it's so amazing to watch because you just see this energy and it's this groundswell of passion for the game and all the different ways that that game is going to take them because some will go on to play basketball you know, if, if they're fortunate enough in other countries, um, they'll come in, they'll graduate and go to school, but they are taking so much more from it. And you can see how, you know, young women are, are learning to use their voice and speak up and they're taking the confidence that they gain. They're taking the leadership that they, they learn from playing on a team sport. Uh, they're learning amb- ambition. They're learning a- accountability and teamwork in a different way. And it's not to say that basketball is the only medium that this, you know, the only sport that this happens. Absolutely not. It's just a newer sport. Soccer has been the dominant sport globally and basketball's coming up fast. And these, these are natural athletes, you know, and they're so hungry to learn. And you can see it in the transition from learning a new skill happens really quickly in these young kids. So to me, it's very exciting because there's so much potential. Yeah, and that I think you really kind of touch on one of the really interesting um, aspects that so many of us are looking at with regards to sports diplomacy on the African continent vis-a-vis basketball. That, yes, this is a kind of newer sport, uh, per se, in terms of dominance in the region, but it's it's spreading quite fast. And I think one of those reasons is because it's being introduced and spread through this um, 
through this uh, sports diplomacy field very much. Um, you know, you talk about leadership and what basketball helps to bring and impart um, and to to mold with some of its young young uh, basketball players. And this makes me think immediately of you know Billie Jean King and her her mantra that you need to see it to be it. And so, in what ways uh, do some of these um, sports diplomacy programs, uh, in your mind, really help to foster this seeing to be it? You know, the first thing is that these young girls at Seed, you know, were demanding in some way, like their own opportunity. They're like, why did the boys just get to get it? You know, and that I think in in some communities and some cultures could have been a very progressive train of thought, much less the courage that it took to to stand up and ask. And now they've had, I think, four or five years of young girls going through the program and then they're coming back. And, you know, there's been a few of them that have come on and they're going to school now in the States and then they come back and it's an opportunity that didn't necessarily exist before. So I think that that's one of the ways where it's like, I can, you know, and, and I think sometimes as an American, I kind of took it for granted that, you know, it's like go to high school and then you go to college. Boom. That's just how it's done. It wasn't until how, I started traveling myself that I started to understand there's a lot of different paths in that education system in different regions around the world. It's not the American, the Western system, the same. And I think just that opportunity that they could go and they can use basketball as an opportunity to create an, a, a chance to go abroad to study that. And then for those girls to come back and share their experience with their former teammates, with the other children in their community and their families and the neighborhoods that they grew up in. And then just being able to see them like, wow, like that's, if you didn't know that it was a possibility, it's there, you know, and you can go further too and to look at how there's women now that are in, that are coming into newer positions and coaching in say the NBA and the WNBA, And we talk a lot about like Becky Hammond has been given a lot of recognition and credit for being one of the first females in the NBA as an assistant coach with the Spurs. But she was really like the third woman, you know, um, Nancy Lieberman was actually one of the first women to be a head coach for the D league in uh, 2010. And Lisa Boyer was the first woman coach in NBA history with the Cavs in 2001. But from since Becky Hammond, there's been 10 other women that have come into the NBA as, as assistant coaches. And then in the women's side, the WNBA, there's, I think five women head coaches out of 12. Now that energy in, in seeing those women take on these roles that have predominantly been allocated to men as head coaching positions has now transitioned in last year in the Afrobasket competition, there's a woman that became the first head coach of, I believe, the Cameroonian team. Um, uh, what is her name? Her last name is Cummings-Price, Natasha Cummings-Price, I believe. And so she now has become a, a banner of now not only can I play the game, but I can coach the game. And there's also other women that had played for their national teams and came back as assistant coaches. So now these girls are seeing that there's more than just 
I can do more than just play the game. I can do more than just coach the game or go to school. I can coach the game. I can take on positions and other roles within the game. And so I think it's just a matter of time before we start to see that change. And and in my brief experience within the African, the West African community, there is a drive and, and perhaps it's just with the, the people that I was exposed to, but there is a drive to see more women get involved specifically so that we can pull everybody up. We want to have equality, but we need to give young women the opportunity to develop the skills in order to be qualified for these positions. Because we don't want to fill a position with a woman, whether it's a teacher, a professor, a doctor, a coach. You don't want to give that position to someone just because they're a woman. We want to give that position the best qualified person. But we've got to give everybody an opportunity to learn the skills, to to be exposed to the environment and the, the the to to use their talents to the best of their ability. Yeah, no, very much. And so would you would you say this is one of the biggest challenges facing women in the global sports industry right now? Yes, I think though I I kind of look at liken it to it's a matter of respect and I think gaining the the respect of the the sports community as a whole will change a lot of different things. It can influence the opportunities given to women, but it also changes Respect will should help drive the opportunity to watch women play via television and broadcast. It should open up doors to create more opportunities for us to compete, like so more teams from the ground level. It respect will help when we get more respect. It'll help balance the pay gap. It's a it's a respect for understanding that we are just as talented as men, and we really just need to look at it from a different lens, you know? So I think traditionally women have been put in a certain box and we don't want to live in a box. Very well said. Uh, Do do you have any, um, you know, obviously it's much easier to identify some of the biggest challenges out there. It's much more difficult to come up with solutions. Do you have any, you know, kind of top line ideas for, potential solutions to helping to fix this respect issue? I'd like to say, sure I do, <laughs> but I think that it, there, there's so many different layers. And I think the, the first thing is just to create these opportunities for young women. And if you are in a community where there are young women, these young girls that are wanting to grow and expand, whether it's in sport or in the arts or in, computer and technology foster that that drive um, encourage them create opportunities for them uh, like mentor them so that they then develop the confidence and develop the skills because as more and more girls start to do it it's it's a contagion we're going to bring each other up and all, you know like that old saying all ships rise um, as we work hard to try and pull more young girls into a system everyone's going to benefit because then that will become more of the norm and less of the exception 
So I think organizations like the Seed Project, if we can create more opportunities like that, different places around the globe, that in itself would be a wonderful start. Well, thank you so much for your for your time and sharing your perspectives. I've learned a lot. Um, and thank you all so much uh, for listening to us here on the Global Sports Conversations podcast. We'll see you next time.